0: Playback, a variety podcast. I'm your host, Variety Awards editor Chris Tapley. On today's show, we throw around a few ideas for Oscars host and take stock of Moonlight's big box office weekend and limited release. A little bit later, I'll be talking to Hacksaw Ridge director Mel Gibson. So stick around. Okay, folks. I'm back here with Janelle.
1: Good morning. Good morning. No, I'm just Janelle. I'm not Janelle We're Riley. We're all on a first name De- basis. Deputy awards now. and features editor. Yeah. Queen of all the fish in the ocean. <laughs> Smiling Janelle Riley. I am smiling on a Monday. That's weird. Smiling Janelle
0: 100% <laughs> Riley. Yeah, so uh, Moonlight. Oh, so happy. Crushed it at
1: the box office. Thank in limited God. release. What were the numbers? Did you have those pulled up? I did one second ago. Um, it was basically a, a four 414,740 opening weekend in four theaters for a per location average of 103,675. hundred and seventy five man we
0: i think people like us deserve some credit for that oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean come on we're sitting here talking about these movies since tell you right how much we love them and the people that go out to see these movies and you know when they're on four screens are like the film intelligentsia community right you know so I had a lot of they people were clearly come up dying to, me. to see the
1: movie uh, yeah I had a lot of people come up to me this weekend and just ask if I'd well funny they ask if I've seen moonlight and then they just tell me you know they saw it it's the most beautiful movie they've ever seen like just rhapsodic about it it's 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 really awesome
0: every time someone asks me this year what's the best thing you've seen I instinctively say Moonlight. Really, and it's and then I don't go on to talk about it for a long time. I haven't even written about it since Tell You Right. It's one of those things that's such an absolute. Mm-hmm. It's like, look, it's an amazing film. Like,
1: yeah, factually,
0: what can like, you, you really cannot argue with that? Like, what could I add to this equation? I think A.O. Scott's review in the New York Times actually was beautiful, and he headlined it. Is is, is this the best movie of the year? And I saw the headline in other places too. I mean, it's kind of just like.
1: You know, it's funny because I do this movie no service when people ask me what it's about. I was actually at a Q&A the other night for Moonlight, and uh, the bartender was asking me beforehand, oh, I've heard about this movie. Like, what is it about? And I tried to explain it, and halfway through, I was like, A, I'm terrible at elevator pitches, yeah. and B, I am not helping this movie by trying to describe it. Just go see it. But Mahershala Ali actually said when someone sent it to him, they said it's the Black Brokeback Mountain which I Mm -hmm. don't think is really accurate but if it gets people to see it yeah if that helps
0: I mean it's certainly (laughs) reductive I think uh, the best thing to say is it's like it's what it's about it's about a black youth who comes from a troubled home who uh, learns to just come to terms with his budding homosexuality, and when anyone sees this film, they will be able to relate to it.
1: That that's was the fantastic. crazy thing. Do you mind if I copy that? Please do. That my next trademark, Chris I mean it's,
0: it's about looking for a connection. Yeah. It's about... There, there's just no way to go to this movie and not feel what the artist behind the movie is trying to convey, and Barry Jenkins is a genius. I mean...
1: I've never yeah. seen Medicine for Melancholy. And Me I ne- I either, I'm embarrassed it. to say, because apparently everyone loved this movie and I'd never yeah. even heard of it. It's, yeah. It's... I was at an art house theater last night and there were all these um, posters, weirdly doing a and a for Arrival, mm. <laughs> and uh, there were all these uh, posters out for movies I'd never heard of and I mean I think we're fairly well informed were these like asylum movies like, <laughs> like transmorphers no, they look like legitimate movies one of them had Vincent Cassell in it I was oh, like wow. wait Vincent Cassell is he the one who's married to Monica Bellucci Yes, know. I'm thinking I get Vincent Cassell and Seymour Cassell confused. Yeah, could,
0: Seymour yeah. Cassell was married to Monica Bellucci. Good good job, Seymour. <laughs> no, I think yeah, Vincent's the one.
1: Who's but you know, speaking of Arrival, it's it's I'm so happy Moonlight is out because I can talk to people about it. Mm-hmm. Arrival is another movie that I absolutely loved, but I feel like it's difficult to talk about. Yeah, it. you can't. I think you we've can't. already upset some people or I have on this podcast <laughs> for That's right. Yeah, I got a little too detailed I got it. yelled at at a screening because they felt you spoiled something. <laughs> Well, at and least as, you got yelled at. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I will pass that punch You're my on shield. to Chris. <laughs> yeah.
0: So go see Moonlight whenever it finally, uh, I don't know what its I release think plan November is. November
1: 4th it goes wide. I don't know how wide, but but it is the biggest uh, per screen average of the year so far. That's great. Yeah. No, very that's happy great. to hear it.
0: That's good news for people like Barry making you know movies that aren't immediately financed in this world. Yeah. You know,
1: like, and really a cast of mostly unknowns yeah. or unproven. Um, you know, Mahershala Ali and Andre Holland and Naomi Harris have, mm-hmm. you know, they, they've definitely been around and they're well respected but do they get a movie greenlit? Well, and this central character
0: is played by three people no one's ever really... Right, and all fantastic. In fact, Travante Rhodes who plays the older version of the character used to be a waiter. Like a, film, a filmmaker friend I know was like, you really think this Travante Rhodes guy is like a supporting actor possibility? I'm like, he deserves to be in the conversation. Yeah. And this guy says, he used to serve me drinks like at some restaurant I hope he tipped (laughs) him well
1: well, (laughs) honestly the whole supporting actor category I feel like could be filled with actors from Moonlight
0: yeah absolutely yeah Uh, well let's let's jump over the next topic to you know speaking of supporting I guess I have a little bit of egg on my face since Viola Davis <laughs> is now officially going supporting, but I think it's just a symptom of the fact that they they were at ends uh, at odds with each other uh, internally, I think for a while on that. For fences?
1: Yes. yeah, and As to where she would go. It's also hard to talk about because we haven't seen the film and I feel like a lot of people are rushing to judgment and mm-hmm. assuming it's category fraud. Mm-hmm. Whereas, uh, I don't know if you've seen the play, but... I haven't seen the play. Yeah, in the play, it's a supporting role and I feel like, hey, you know, let's see the movie. It might be a supporting role. I know she's Viola Davis mm-hmm. but you know uh, the play really kind of is the Denzel Washington character story
0: well if anyone has a complaint they can direct it to Miss Davis it was her decision oh yeah she finally saw the film last week and she said look I think that uh, my role is in support of the other characters yeah that was her take I mean if you want to be cynical and say there's an gaming of things going on or trying to find an angle on things because obviously it seems clear that she's going to be a dominant possibility to win in supporting she would be
1: in either category, I feel.
0: I agree. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see. But, like, I I can't wait to see the film. And she has made a lot of women's day I know, by right? vacating the, the lead category. <laughs> I mean, for me, I had Ruth Negga on the outside. Yeah, definitely. And now she's coming. Uh, now she has a, a path to a nomination. Um, I mean, because
1: who? our locks are Emma Stone, um, Natalie Portman, and Annette Bening. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of amazing women. You know, I'm a big fan of Amy Adams in Arrival. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ruth Nega, Isabelle Huppert. We'll see how Taraji is in the yes, Figures. Taraji, yes, of course. Haven't even seen Hidden Figures. I feel M- M-
0: M- Merrill is pretty strong,
1: personally. Yes, Meryl. Um, I was a big fan of Susan Sarandon in The Meddler. Mm-hmm. movie came out probably too long ago, but, yeah. you know, great. We've, we've talked about the category, actually, before, I yeah. feel like, because I'm having deja vu. Uh, Sally Field. There's and a Hello lot of so it's
0: nice that, you know, there'll be a space. Jessica Chastain and Miss Sloan.
1: Up. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. insane, this category, the people who are on the bubble. What do you think about Jessica and Miss Sloan? I really, are we allowed to talk about it? I don't know if there's an embargo. I haven't been told, so let's just talk okay, about well, it. Okay, well, I actually really liked Miss Sloan. You know, and most people I talk to are like, "Yeah, you know, it's it's good. It's kind of like Sorkin esque." And I'm like, "I know, that's awesome." I kind of I compare it to Michael Clayton sometimes. Yes, just just
0: in terms of structure and the general trajectory of the main character.
1: Yeah, no, I was I was with it the whole time. And the funny thing, I don't want to make anyone think that the movie is all about a twist because it's Mm -hmm. not. But like, the when there's a twist in a movie, the best ones are. Oh, I should have seen that coming. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why like there are certain movies that like, you know, are predicated on a twist and you're like, yeah, that was pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. Some of them in theaters right now. But like something happened in Miss Sloan that like and it's not what the movie is about, so I don't want to say like go see this movie because there's a big twist. Right. But it's so clever. Yeah. And I I just thought the dialogue crackled. I thought Jessica was fantastic. I I really liked this movie. Yeah. I don't I don't know how it'll play, but I think it'll play well
0: for her just because we've never seen her even in Zero Dark Thirty. We haven't yeah. seen her play this kind of a role like yeah, it's this. True. Really strong-willed shark mm-hmm. of, of a person. She's a lobbyist, and uh, it's yeah, she's she's great in the movie. John Madden directed the film, by the way. Um,
1: and I feel like like I personally haven't really seen a movie about a lobbyist before. No.
0: Well, it's got to be a hard thing yeah. to make entertaining, right? Yeah, and they. Your way in is through an interesting character, and I think that's what they have here. So she's going to be a possibility in lead actress.
1: Yeah, I would love to see her get in. We'll see how that shakes out. um By the time um you know this is all decided, hopefully there will be an Oscar host. <laughs> yes, look at Janelle with the segways. She knows
0: what she's <laughs> thank doing. Thank you, thank you very much. Hopefully, I mean, uh, we apparently there uh, an announcement is imminent. We're recording this on Monday, so maybe by the time this runs on Thursday. Uh, they'll have producers lined up but Janelle and I wanted to just chew on some uh, some host possibilities
1: can we just say like I just hope they don't return to the Billy Crystal well
0: yeah I mean Look, he was a great host several times it, but like let's that's its own era yeah. it's time to move it, that's forward exactly it was it, great yeah. when he came in and saved the day you mm-hmm. know whenever they was that the Eddie Murphy
1: year yes I think it yeah, was yeah, yeah so
0: he came, came in saved the day and that was nice but like need some new blood and not like well, Anne it, Hathaway James Rankle, new blood, <laughs> which was clearly the disaster we need
1: New blood unless Hugh Jackman is available unless Hugh Jackman well yes. yeah he counts as new blood because he
0: brought such a fresh he
1: thing to the show and, and he's a showman from top to bottom it's the only
0: Oscars that I actually own a DVD of the what? Oscars yeah. they make DVDs
1: of the Oscars they have them
0: internally I got them
1: that is hilarious I got it through Bill
0: Condon actually who <laughs> directed <laughs> the show that year let me to, just pick that up over no, here sorry 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 <laughs> that was the reason that show was so great was Bill Condon and Lawrence Mark were the Bill producers Bill Condon loves
1: the, musicals he's a showman
0: he also is a movie guy yeah. and so he knew Knew how to translate the idea of a movie into the show. And so you started with like the design elements and then you moved on into, you know, script, which was interesting because that, was, that year they had the script... I think the scripts were announced first or like very early in the show because the idea was this is we're going to take you through the making of a movie. So
1: you start with the script, go to design elements. I just thought of a great idea. What's that? Harvey Weinstein should produce it. And let me tell you why. (laughs) I wish you guys could have seen Chris's face just now. It was if you had water, it would have been a spit take. Did you see the Stronger Together a uh, show where where Broadway got together and did a fundraiser no, for Hillary Clinton. I haven't Clinton. watched that yet. No, it, it was excellent, and it did he produce that? I believe so. Oh, okay, yeah, and. You know, and and who knows movies better than Harvey Weinstein? Yeah, everything yeah. would be a clip package
0: of Weinstein movies. Yeah, it would just be all about Lion, probably. <laughs> yeah, which, lion. actually, I'm okay with. Yeah, yeah, great you, movie. You know I love me some Lion. I, Hugh Jackman would be great. I've always thought Kevin Spacey would be a really good host. He's just kind of got the uh, the showman thing about him. Mitch- yeah, he
1: does, too. Theater background, once again. Mm-hmm. I mentioned Russell Crowe uh, last week I love that idea I've been thinking about it more and more he should just have a drink in his hand the whole time Yeah, just kind of surly you know Alec Baldwin and Steve Martin I thought the year they hosted Mm -hmm. were pretty great and if we could ever get Eddie Murphy to maybe be into it again, that'd be great. Well, you know, he's—I don't—he doesn't really campaign, but he sort of put himself out there this year for Mister mm-hmm. Church, mm-hmm. which was a movie that I actually liked. Mm-hmm. Or haven't seen it. Um, I mean, look—it's you know—it's—it's it's not a great movie, but like, it reminds you what a good actor he is. And yeah, I would love it if he would host. Mm-hmm. Some people have talked
0: about Kevin Hart in the past. I don't know if it was just because. He was kind of the it thing at, yeah. at the time.
1: What do you think about him? You know, I have a weird, like, you know, I, I go see every Kevin Hart movie. Oh, really? Big out. fan? I, I, well, it's weird because I, I don't know why. Like, I wouldn't call myself a fan, mm-hmm. but there is something infectious about him, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, so I, and I just I just like seeing him on screen. Like, so you'd be
0: okay with him hosting? Sure. Why not? You know who'd be great? The Rock. Oh, my God. The
1: Rock is. He sings in Moana, so he's able to sing. Maybe yeah. he'd work out. Uh, sure. The Rock is one of the greatest Saturday Night Live hosts ever. Yeah. So let him do it. I sometimes feel like they use Saturday Night Live as a place to vet hosts mm-hmm. because the year James Franco and Anne Hathaway hosted, they had both done really well on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And look oh, how that turned out. Tom, Tom, yeah. Tom Hanks just hosted last week. He should uh Tom Hanks would be good. an awesome Oscar host, but would it be a conflict of interest since well, he might win Best James Actor? James Franco had 127 hours out that yeah, year. Yeah, but he wasn't winning. Yeah, but <laughs> I don't think Tom Hanks is winning either. You don't? No. For the Sully? more The more this season goes on, the more I think Tom Hanks could win. Wow. No, I don't think that at all. But, you know. Do you think he's getting nominated? Not at the moment. Really? You think there are five best actor potentials yeah. that are stronger than him? Yeah. Hmm. What do we have? We have
0: Casey Affleck. Casey's a lock. Denzel. Um, Andrew Garfield, I'm, I've got in there for Silence at the moment. That could change. I'd love to see him nominated for Hacksaw Ridge. I'm, I'm pulling up my predictions <laughs> joel edgerton i don't have joel in there oh you don't um oh obviously ryan gosling ryan gosling yeah. i have in there but i do feel like he could fall out just mm-hmm. we've talked about it before it's the kind of role that can be thankless um here we go mcconaughey and gold mcconaughey and gold yes uh just seems like a fun yeah performance that's possible you know uh janelle's being very quiet right now about gold
1: <laughs> i know but uh, i don't want anyone to read anything into that yeah, i yeah. think matthew McConaughey is definitely a contender for gold that's all i can say awesome yeah
0: he looks like he's having a blast and yeah. i think people would enjoy having him back on the circuit maybe oh if they're not course, tired of him yeah uh, this is a, a second reconnaissance a maca- yeah the reconnaissance <laughs> part, part two part <laughs> The, the Wi-Fi in here is amazing, so I'm not pulling up my predictions. But yeah, those are the five I have. And I, mean, I guess Tom could get in. I mean, look, they're going to. But there's also Affleck coming down the pike. Ben. Sure. Ben. Yeah. The older. Uh, you know, so we'll see how Live By Night is. Um, look, by the way, I don't know what I can say about Rules Don't Apply. I'm pretty sure the embargo doesn't apply to podcasts.
1: Embargo doesn't apply. So,
0: so embargo doesn't apply. But uh, I think Warren Beatty was pretty good in the movie.
1: For lead actor?
0: Yeah. I think it's a lead. Now you know
1: Warren Beatty is such a good actor. Can I like? I have I know a bad track
0: record on lead versus supporting this yeah. year, but I, <laughs> I think he's a lead in this movie.
1: He um, in Bugsy was one of my favorite performances, and I know that year it was all about his directing. Mm-hmm. But I, it just reminded me what a great actor he is. That year was all about JFK, in my opinion. Oh, was it? <laughs> yeah.
0: And well, you got, and the beast. You got a better memory than I do. Ninety-one. Yeah. That's science of the lambs. Wow. Speaking yep. of, you know, we talked about that last week, screen time as it pertains yes. to category placement. But we'll see what the the Academy decides if they've...
1: <laughs> Did you ever get an answer to your question you asked if someone has ever won the Tony in yeah, one it's category? It's just Yul Brenner?
0: He's, he's, he's you're the, the only one. He was
1: supporting one. or featured, as they call he was it, in, featured the in
0: the Tonys? It was featured in the Tonys. That's about, ridiculous. The, the show were, was called
1: The King and I. Yeah, I
0: think there was a there was something people were talking about. I didn't get into it, but there was something about the rules back then were different.
1: Well, it's interesting because I thought that Joel Grey won for lead actor in a musical, the Tony, yeah, and then featured. went to supporting. But it, but it was supporting at the Tonys <sighs> when Alan Cumming won in the lead category when they did the revival.
0: And then, as we know, Mary Alice won supporting for Fences and then viola one lead for the revival. Yeah. And uh potentially will join just R- Yul Brenner
1: as the only two to, that's kind of interesting history, I guess. Yeah, I'm just shocked that yul Brenner was a featured actor for the King and I. Did you see it? You weren't yes you weren't uh, in the womb. My mom took me to see <laughs> The King and I and I counted the screen time. <laughs> Maybe it felt that way. Who knows? <laughs> so who do you have on the podcast this week? We have Mel Gibson. Wow. Mel
0: Gibson, and we have a great chat, I think. Uh, we talked about Hacksaw Ridge a couple of times. Such a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. And more
1: he, and more people are seeing that, and like they were skeptical when I said that I, how much I adored it, mm-hmm. and they're coming up, and they're like, that is a great movie. Yeah. And by the way, um, I don't want to out anybody, but uh, a couple people here at work are v- we're very split on Vince Vaughn. Mm, a couple people really. feel the way you feel, and then a few people feel the way I feel, which is that Vince Vaughn is great in this movie. Well, this is the thing. Like, i don't it's not like i want to look away it's just
0: way not what i'm expecting in the moment so i'm just like i'm looking at
1: casting against type yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah. and and you know i'm just looking at your money baby the whole time (laughs) which by the way swingers just celebrated a 10th anniversary get out 10th i mean sorry 20th oh my god jesus yeah you were making me feel young
1: for a second That's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. It made me realize you can just go make a movie. Yeah. And how, I mean, I love that Jon Favreau, what that career has turned out to be. He had that script in his trunk of his car for
0: like just months. Wow. And he just showed it to a friend at a party and off it went. That's so great. But in any case, stick around for Mel Gibson right after this. dreamed about being a doctor, but uh didn't get much school. I
2: can't stay here while all them go fight for me. Don't you figure this war is just going to fit in with your ideas? While everybody else is taking life, I'm going to be saving it. And that's going to be my way to serve.
0: This is a personal gift from the United States government,
2: designed to bring death to the enemy. Well, I'm sorry, Sarge, I can't touch a gun. You don't kill no, sir.
0: You know, quite a bit of killing does occur in war.
2: Private Doss does not believe in violence. Do not look to him to save you on the battlefield. I don't think this is a question of religion. I think this is cowardice. I am not plan with you because you weren't like anyone
0: else. You're saying you could go to prison. But I don't
2: know how I'm going to live with myself if I don't stay true to what I believe. With the world so set on tearing itself apart... It like such a bad thing to me To want to put
0: a little bit of it back together Welcome back, everyone I'm here with the director of Hacksaw Ridge And he's many other things, obviously He's an icon, and we're very happy he's here Thank you, Mel Gibson, hey. for coming on to my show
2: well, well, I'm glad to be here
0: We were just talking, this is your first podcast, you think
2: I think it is I, you know, <laughs> I've got a shocking memory So maybe I've done one before But I think I'm pretty sure this is my premiere
0: Wow mm. Well, thanks, man Uh, It's been 10 years since uh, you were in the director's chair, Mm -hmm. and uh, I think listeners know, I feel like I've come up with some reason to mention Apocalypto Mm -hmm. on a number of episodes so far. I'm a big fan of the movie. So uh, I'm just curious creatively for you in that time, uh, do the ideas just start to stack up and you're eager... To get there again, or uh, are you not really in that headspace over that period of time? Well, that period of time? No, I was in that headspace, but it's, you know, something like, uh,
2: you know, for example, well, Braveheart was easier because, Mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, I was more of a kind of a hot box office ticket at that stage, so it was easier to get that made. But um, something like The Passion and Apocalypto, nobody wants to make those films, so you really have to kind of reach in your own pocket to do it. And, um, and, of course, you know, then they pay dividends. But yeah. it's hard for other people to see that. Um, and the stuff that I wanted to do uh, were like those. Um, you know, I had a thing I wrote about Vikings and uh, some other stuff I'd written, you know, about mm-hmm. the, uh, the 15th century in Europe and, and some other stuff. And um, I guess my vision isn't automatically uh, you know a great thing for for other people so and uh, uh, i wasn't reaching into my own pocket this time yeah because that has uh, that has some downside too some potential downside you know you can end up in the pauper's bank yeah so um
0: you feel the pressure then when whenever that
2: yeah, yeah. and and um uh, so you know in the absence of my doing it myself, which I had done the two previous times, no one else was going to step in. So mm-hmm. I guess a lot of stuff didn't happen. But, you know, I kept busy with other things. I wrote uh, a film and produced a film at mm-hmm. that time. And then I was in a couple of other films. So, yeah. you know, it's, uh, you know, you stay busy, kind of try and keep, keep the rust from building up. Although, you know, I had to blow the, the cylinders out on this one, I think. <laughs> it was, um, but it was great to get back in the chair. And it's like riding a bike. Yeah um, except for now, you know 10 years later, um, the budgetary limitations and, um, and, and the time limitations are the challenges are greater in that regard. So you yeah. have to um, go in and be far more judicious. With your direction and and how you shoot and what you shoot. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you can, edit the screenplay before you get going. And, you know, one has to be, you know, a lot more frugal in in the way one works and try not to, you know, strangle your creativity for the sake of uh, expedience and uh, and the interests of saving money. But, you know, it's not the same industry as it was. Right. Exactly. As, as, if you're not making a superhero movie about somebody in spandex, nobody gives you a budget, you know. So, we we did a lot on this for not so much.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and uh, it's it's one of those movies that looks like it costs more than it that it probably costs. So that's always good. Yeah, it, yeah, it looks like it cost a hundred mil. <laughs> it really does. Uh, the story, Desmond Doss's story, is extraordinary. Uh, we had Andrew on the show last week talking about it. Uh, were you aware of it at all before the project kind of came to you? Uh,
2: I had heard of Desmond Doss, but not in a way that I delved into. Uh, mm-hmm. The project came my way three times, like Caesar with the crown, you know. <laughs> and uh, I, I rejected uh, uh, being the director of it twice over the last maybe 10 years. Yeah. And uh, finally, I, 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 it kind of came again. I looked at it, and sometimes, you know, it's just you're in the right headspace the right time. I, I read it. I was incredibly moved by it, and I thought, I think I can add my skills to this and, and tell this story. Um, and so off we went, off to the races. Uh, uh, well, Des- Desmond is, 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 and that's when I really found out about this character, and he was something. He's amazing. Yeah. I mean, Wow. Not too many like him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the the story, the film, I feel it shares DNA with a number of your films, which is it kind of deals with this idea of hardship of faith in a way. How how difficult it can be to maintain one's faith in the face of adversity. Sure. And I'm just curious, uh, not to like put you on the couch or anything, but beyond just like you know the Catholic upbringing, do you think there's any reason that these themes you keep coming back to them in your work well you know
2: for, and I would tell you probably hit on something there I, I mean I was always taught um, from when I was very young that uh, some things ideas or some things were more important than life so you know a lot of these characters um, in films uh, that I've shown uh, they actually have that attitude And Desmond was one of those guys. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, you know, through filial love, he wouldn't touch a weapon. But also through filial love, he wanted to serve. And um, he went beyond that. And the ultimate sort of act of of love is to, you know, lay your life on the line for somebody else. And um, I think uh, uh, there's very few people who can actually, you know, do that and maintain their equilibrium? I mean, in, in, you have an ordinary man doing extraordinary things in incredibly different, difficult, difficult circumstances, and I think uh, there's very few people that can maintain their their higher self mm-hmm. uh, and and maintain that equilibrium and inner calm uh, when. Everything around you is, is telling you to become an animal. And everyone is, you know, you get down to the level of an animal. It's just primal. Mm-hmm. And this guy went into that and uh, uh, with armed with nothing but his faith and uh, did the most extraordinary things. Um, this to me is like, and it's a true story. So it's like it's not, I'm not faking anything or making it up. I mean, it's uh, yeah. astounding to me. Um and and I, I think that, you know, uh, as storytellers, we're exploring stories, hero stories, to inspire others and uh, to, to give us some kind of indication of who we might be, what we're capable of, what at least some members of our race are capable of. And maybe, mm-hmm. you know, we can, we can take something from that. I know Desmond was the first man to receive uh, uh, the Congressional Medal of Honor, um, and he was a conscientious objector, but... Actually, I think he inspired many because there have been more of those guys since Yeah. who go into battle without a weapon who are medics and they just do extraordinary things. And it's generally a kind of a a strong faith and conviction that they have.
0: Yeah, and regarding the primal nature, I think Andrew called it the messy humanness. Sure. Kind of working through that. And it's fascinating that you come back to that in your work. You're attracted to making that kind of art. Are you attracted to that kind of art? like? For instance, what, what, I, I kind of looked around to see if I could find anything, but what are your favorite films? Do they tend to have this kind of a theme?
2: My God. Um, oof, I have so many favorite films. Yeah. Everything from, you know, shit, I mean, I like Scorsese's films. I like, you know, Coppola's films. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like old classics and westerns and war films. Oh, my God. What's a favorite western? Uh, favorite western, I think, was something called A Big Country.
0: That's great. Which is I'm a huge sp- fan of the genre. So yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah it's a, it's a, that's a good western. Yeah, and um, um, you know, of course, the Godfather films. You know, how, yeah. how can you not dig those movies? Yeah, the the just the sheer artistry and the
0: naturalism and you know, it was it was the 70s, man. Yeah. it was like they're so cool. Um, is there any hope for getting back? Because we talked, to, we touched on this, just where the business is now. Is there any hope for getting back to that kind of a mentality? Oh, I think so. I mean, one of the best
2: compliments I received when people watched uh, *Hacksaw Ridge* they went,
0: "Wow, it's like
2: the way they used to make films." Hmm. And I said, "You mean like back in the '40s?" He says, "No, like back in the '80s." You know, and it, <laughs> like it's ancient history. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's ancient history because I guess um, you know the, the the character of the of, of you know feature film business has changed. Yeah, um, you know, it's like. Chain food restaurants or something, so
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know. But I, I believe that uh, I believe that if something's good, it's going to resonate. Um, it's just going to have a harder time being heard because yeah. it's it's uh, a lot of noise. They get obliterated by the by the marketing budgets. <laughs> I mean, nobody has any, nobody's got enough nerve to sort of put the money where the mouth is, you know. Yeah. Unless it's you know, unless the guy's
0: wearing spandex. Yeah. So. People often go to uh, to Braveheart, but uh, you know, maybe they forget that your directorial debut was a few years before that, The Man Without a Face, yeah. which is a film I like a lot. Uh, it was. I remember it was one of those movies that was on HBO like every weekend when yeah, I was right. growing up, so I right. saw it so many times. Sure. Uh, when you first got behind the camera to direct, was it like a uh, like you know a bucket of cold water to the face, or were you very prepared and ready to take it in stride? And I do was this? not
2: prepared. I think. Um I just well, I kind of had an idea of what was required simply from being around the hub for so many years and watching other directors who I admired kind of mm-hmm. step in and do it. But when I was about to get going, I was terrified. I remember calling. Uh, I bumped into Peter Weir, and I said, "Man, I'm scared." And he said, "You should be." <laughs> Stop! Don't say that. Thanks to me. a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks, pal. And uh, and uh, he said, "No," and he said, "Don't worry." He said, "All you got to say is action and cut." <laughs> And of course, that's not true. That's not helpful. But he was just trying to make me feel better. And then, um, and I also called Clint Eastwood, I remember at the time, who he just directed Unforgiven, which I like very much. Mm -hmm. And um, I called him and I I said, Hey, Clint, I'm scared. You know, but I called the tall one. And he said, Don't be scared. I'm like, Why? (laughs) And he said, there's a bunch of subliminal shit in your head and you're going to remember it when you need to. And I said, thanks, Clint. He said, don't mention it. You know, click. <laughs> you know, was, uh, that, uh, he was, he was very cool. And, um... Was he right? Yeah. A lot of stuff just yeah came out. Not that I didn't need some... Uh, there was a few good learning experiences that I, I really had to get onto. Uh, but I found, I learned as I went. I mean, we had a really good, uh, Uh, director of photography who is like an old drill sergeant Mm -hmm. a guy called don mcalpine yeah who was like phenomenal Mm -hmm. and he was like um you know where i was deficient in my directorial experience he'd he'd been there and done everything and uh so it was like it was great to have a guy like that great dp
0: did moulin rouge i think
2: i believe he did yeah 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 pretty good I mean, he's, he's, and he shot a uh, man without a face and was like, uh, you know, and would take my ideas and go, yeah, let's try that. Cause he's, he's just, he's, he's useful. Mm-hmm. He still is. I saw him, uh, not so long ago mm-hmm. and he's not a youngster, but he's still like a kid. Mm-hmm. He's got that youthful enthusiasm. Like uh, a lot of the Aussie, um, directors of the film guys, the camera guys, uh, they maintain their childlike uh, enthusiasm for mm-hmm. what it is that they do. Like Dean Semler. I mean, the guy's amazing. Yeah. He's like a big kid.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you went you went on to work with John Toll the next time with uh, Braveheart. Toll is amazing. Yeah. Toll is, like, amazing. He just shot Ang Lee's war film. He did. Uh,
2: have you seen that yet? I haven't seen it, no.
0: Yeah, very curious, because I'm a big fan of Toll's work, so uh, yeah, he's, anytime he's, he's on a movie. amazing,
2: man. I, I just uh, remember... Uh, John, I think, had done his first director of photography job on on Legends of the Fall. Yep. And uh, I went into an editing room just to look at his uh, work on that. And I said, wow, this guy's amazing. And I hired him on Braveheart.
0: And he won back-to-back so, Oscars. <laughs> and he won
2: back-to-back Oscars. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. He got, he got back-to-backs. Yeah. And uh, So I pulled the right rein there. I also stole the editor from... Uh, from uh, Legends of the Fall a guy called Steve Rosenblum who mm-hmm. to this day is like yeah he's, he's, a, he's in a handful of uh, editors that I think is just like amazing yeah there's a few there's a few of those
0: guys around well speaking of Braveheart I'd, I'd love yeah. to just kind of go back uh, Oscar night that year it was yeah. March 25th 1996 which gosh ima- imagine if the Oscars were late March still it would be such a long stretch of time before oh getting to God. the Oscars
2: 20 years ago
0: but do you remember that night oh yeah pretty well how was it? Sweaty. I was tired. <laughs> it was, um,
2: It was. you know, kind of when you're counting down to the Oscars and stuff, you end up doing a lot of Q&As and breakfasts and this. talking to a lot of people. <laughs> and uh, by the time you get to it, you're sort of numb. It's like being on, you know, the election campaign or something. And you start to wonder, why am I doing this? You know, it's like, and then, you know, uh, they, they, call your name and you go up there and you you kind of got the butterflies and you're excited and uh and very gratified uh that uh, your fellows and your peers recognize your work and it's uh you know it's always a it feels good you know
0: it's an interesting oscar history footnote to me because uh that year ron howard's apollo 13 was very strong felt like the one to beat really going into the oscars you yeah. know you pulled it out and you guys were working on Ransom at the time. That's right. And then a few years later, you presented him his Oscar for Best Director. There you go. So no hard feelings, I guess. No, it was great. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, Ron got it for uh,
0: what was Beautiful Mind. Yeah, there
2: you go. Yeah. I think that was pretty quick after, wasn't
0: it? Yeah, it was like two or three years. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, you know, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about this sequel, for lack of a better word, uh, to The Passion of the Christ that you, you, you talked about recently. where sure. you were going to go and work on the resurrection. Uh-huh. uh You know, when when someone comes back into the spotlight after airing a dark chapter publicly, uh, and I think the public nature of that is what's so unusual and and, and difficult maybe for people to to relate to. Uh, So I'm I'm just kind of fascinated by the choice of subject matter here. Um, Again, not to put you on the couch, but do you feel like where you're at in your career, you've talked about your sobriety of 10 years, congratulations on that. Uh, Just... A general feeling of getting back on track. I mean, is there any of that that's drawing you to the idea of the story of the resurrection?
2: I can't tell you what's drawing me to that, but it's it's uh, it's a calling. So it's um, so I think it's it's out of my hands, but I, mm-hmm. I'm compelled to go there again. And I think uh, um, and I think I can tell that story. And it's a difficult story to tell because it isn't just. Some kind of facile rendering of events. Sure, you know? um, it's beyond that. You have to extract far more from what's there than it appears to be. And I think you can do it by juxtaposing other things from other eras against it, um, and then kind of make a statement that enlightens people. Um, so you know, going back in the, and look—that's a, that's a while away too. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sort of working on that with the uh, the scribe of Braveheart, you know. Yeah. And he's uh, he and I are throwing ideas around about that, and you know we're getting some pretty good ideas. But the more you talk about it, the more it seems to open up. Yeah. And and um, uh, so it's a very big story, and I'm not quite sure how to tackle that monster yet. But it's uh, um, it, it, I think it's going to be good when it happens because there's a great deal of thought and consideration going into it.
0: Uh, would you bring back Caleb Deschanel to shoot that? You he's think? the greatest man. Yeah. Wow. And then the same I, question for Jim Caviezel. Would would this be the kind of thing where you'd want all that connective tissue or? Caviezel would be great. Yeah. You
2: know, and he hasn't even aged. I mean, yeah, I know, right? You know, he just looks the same. You know, yeah. Caviezel he just uh, perennially, uh, he always, he's always going to look like he's thirty years old. This guy. Mm-hmm. And um, um, you know, Caleb. You know, I asked him for a moving Caravaggio. You know. And uh, so we were looking at Caravaggio's paintings and stuff, the light sources and all this kind of stuff, and, mm. the, and the movement in them. And, the, um, and he um, he kind of uh, showed me some some of the first days of the rushes. I'm like, oh my god! I said, it is a moving Caravaggio. And he said, that's what you wanted, wasn't it? <laughs> it's like no biggie. Yeah. You know, he just like threw that one off. It was fantastic. Yeah. And um, uh, so you know. That guy's amazing, and he's acquainted himself now with the digital medium. Yeah, uh, as all cinematographers must, really.
0: We took the big dive on that in 2006 with Apocalypto and Dean. Yeah, uh, yeah, Genesis, man. Yeah, kind of a prototype
2: now, yeah. but it was good enough, and uh, uh, we were able to scan that on the film easily. Mm-hmm. So, and it didn't suffer any. I, I, I became a big fan of digital uh, at that point. We shot the whole thing in digital. I don't think an entire feature had been shot digitally. Maybe, um, like, Michael Mann had done something.
0: Mm-hmm. Collateral.
2: Yeah, yeah, like like collateral yeah. or one of those, yeah. But uh, uh, but he used that other camera. With, I forgot what it was called. He
0: was doing a lot of different things with little trinkets little and little, little different cameras that he yeah. was. You know, he was in a very different world than, like... I think, the world that led into the Alexa and stuff like that. So. Right. Yes, it was different. Yeah. What, what was it called? The Scorpion or something? I <laughs> <Yeah>. don't remember. <laughs> had I, a weird name. Yeah, I, and the stuff he did in Ali, too, where he had this little pin camera where you'd just get in there on the action, like holding it like this. It right. It
2: was yeah. very unique stuff that he was doing. Interesting, yeah. No, he's, he's exciting. I mean, he's like, uh, some of his stuff is amazing. And, uh, yeah, but going in there with the Genesis was like, wow. And there were things it couldn't do, mm-hmm. but there were things it could do really well. Like Dean Semler was like a kid in a candy store going, whoa, look at this. I'd be outside with the actors and I couldn't even see them. I'm saying, Dean, it's too dark out here because I'm still thinking film, you know. And he's calling to me from inside this black tent and he has, you know, all the knobs and whistles in there to adjust the picture and the exposure and everything else. Mm-hmm. And he's going, "Nah, it should be right. And I'm like, <laughs> Dean, I can't see the actor. She's, don't worry about it. Shoot it. I'm like, oh, geez. So we shoot it. And, of course, later on you see it and it's just fine. Yeah, totally. It's amazing. but digital, uh, it really uh, opened up the canvas, you know. Yeah. You got more than two stops in either direction now. Yeah. Way more. Yeah. You can do anything
0: yeah it's exciting and yeah. it, it kind of democratizes the form a bit too for people it does and you know I mean uh,
2: it's really about what's going on in, I mean it's great if you can have those beautiful images and those pristine you know whatever you want you know the effects that you want um, but but it's really about what's going on inside the camp you know what's mm. going on what's the story going on in there what are you telling what's happening in the actor's eyes What um, so that um, you know I think the the, the means or the, the opportunity for anybody, even an enterprising college kid, to make a masterpiece now on an iPhone is possible. Mm-hmm. You know? Just need a couple of those.
0: I, I touched on this, and, I, and I'm not going to belabor the point, but we find ourselves often in a kind of art versus artist debate, separating the art from the artist. Right. Uh, you know, I think that Nate Parker this year is dealing with you know, there's people who feel like they can't support him or see his film. And there's yeah. people that feel like they can't support you or see your films yeah. after your history. And I'm just oh, curious... Like what, what
2: is it, do you think that... Just be clear about what do you think it is that... What do I think th- what is? That that would make people not support my film after my history. Like, what aspects specifically... I can't speak
0: to the to, to why talking? they would feel that. I mean, I'm, I'm okay. talking about your 2006 episode and, and, and the slurs and whatnot that were caught on camera. And I, I mean, on microphone and again i don't want to belabor the point my question to you is how do you respond to that how do you process that is it something you just write off and figure you can't control it Mm. or do you does it make you feel as if you want to change perspectives all the more well that's pretty old stuff
2: it's 10 years old it's an unfortunate incident i was loaded and angry and arrested you know so you know these things happen i was recorded Illegally, by an unscrupulous police officer who was never prosecuted for that crime. And um, then it was uh, made public by him for profit and by, you know, members of, we'll call it the press, uh, you know. So, not fair. Okay, so I guess as who I am, I'm not allowed to have a nervous breakdown ever, especially when the, you know, when the pressure is great. And the mm-hmm. pressure was great, you know. But 10 years have elapsed. This is an old story, my friend. Mm -hmm. Old. I've forgotten it. I've forgiven. Mm -hmm. Now, whether I've been forgiven.
0: Not for for you to say. Yeah.
2: For what, really? For getting loaded and saying some stupid stuff that people put on microphone. I apologize for it. Mm -hmm. Has the apology been accepted? I don't know. But that's not my job. I made it. Uh, 10 years have gone by. I'm feeling good. I'm much better. Sober, all that kind of stuff. And for me, it's a dim thing in the past. But others bring it up, which kind of I find annoying because I don't understand why after 10 years it's any kind of issue. Um, Surely, if I was really what they say I was, some kind of hater, you know, um, there'd be evidence of actions somewhere. There never has been. I've never discriminated against anyone or done anything that sort of supports that reputation, You know, And for one episode in the back of a police car on eight double tequilas to sort of dictate all the work, life's work and beliefs and everything else that I have and maintain for my life is really unfair. But some people talk, you know, they took it upon themselves to sort of have a crucifixion. So there you go. I understand. And let me explain. I'll just I've I've talked more about this with you than with anyone else. But it's like, uh, you know, that's that's where i'm at i'm in a better place i'm healthy i'm happy i got you know family members that i love and support they love and support me and i have many friends um and many friends in the industry but they were
0: always there um well again the reason i bring it up is just this idea of the art versus the artist i feel i feel very strongly that if you feel strongly about the actions of someone that should not bleed into how you feel about the art that they've potentially created well that's uh, true
2: also And, and i think uh uh the art that they create uh, speaks loudly to who that person is. Um, you know, people say, "Oh, say what you will about this piece of you know shit." He made a great movie. Well, that doesn't make sense. You know,
0: because art comes from inside. If I a piece of shit, you? I'd
2: make a piece of shit movie. You know. I hear you. And I don't think I have.
0: Uh, I'll end on a lighter note, which is, Thank you. Uh, <laughs> 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 "Lethal Weapon" is uh, you know. Looms large, uh, Martin Riggs, amazing character that you brought to the fore. And the property has uh, taken on life again. It's a TV show. Yeah, have you seen the show? I haven't. (laughs) By chance?
2: No, don't want to.
0: Yeah, nah. Eh. They've taken the procedural route with it, you know. So it's like, like you know, here's the crime of the week. On, on this episode kind of a okay. Thing. So it's kind of like what they did with Hawaii Five-O. Okay. But you know, Shane Black was uh, recently over the summer promoting his film and talking about what his pitch for Lethal Weapon 5 would be, which I thought sounded kind of cool. It was yeah. like you guys in a blizzard in New York or whatever. Yeah. My question as a fan of the franchise and the characters, is right. that something that we can at all hope for? Or do you think that that chapter is... Definitely no, I think it's a you. cool idea. Yeah, you know, and I
2: like the idea of Shane doing it. You know, yeah. But I wonder about Donner. Yeah, you know, be great to get him back. Well, yeah, he Close directed it out. all he directed all those things, and I kind of was like wondering, hey, where's Donner and all this? So you know, we need we need to get that guy back behind the, the camera. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's a cool idea. I think uh, I think maybe Warner Brothers are kind of is it Warner's that put the TV thing out. I don't know. Actually, I I don't know. TV Fox. Fox. Is it Fox? Oh, okay. You know, hey, I hope they make a buck. Yeah, I, hear you. I don't know. I haven't seen it. What's it like? Is it good? Uh, you know, Procedural. I'm glad Damon
0: Wayans is working. I'll put it that way. Damon Wayans, like he's Damon great, Wayans. man. He's funny. Is he funny? Somebody is. He's funny. I saw the pilot. That's all I saw, and yeah, uh, okay. he was good in it. It's yeah. the, the, they'll have a good character dynamic. I think these characters are strong enough that yeah. any two good actors that play them are going to have a, a fun yeah. on-camera relationship. Yeah. Sure. So hopefully we we'll get Lethal Weapon Five with you soon. Uh, so again, the movie is Hacksaw Ridge opens November fourth, yes. and so everyone go see it. It's a great movie, and we're happy to have you back in the director's chair, sir. Thank you Thank for coming you. on to the show. I appreciate it. Cheerio. Thanks again for listening, everyone. Don't forget to subscribe and check back next week when I'll be talking to Miss Sloan Star, Jessica Chastain. You've been listening to Playback at Variety.